Welcome back to Ravens Recap, where we will be previewing the Ravens' second game against the Browns in three weeks. Browns had the week off while the Ravens had a a physical, exhausting matchup with Pittsburgh, which we discussed how (laughs) that went. And the Ravens are ready to move forward at this final stretch of five games uh, before postseason play will start. Sitting at eight and four, currently one game ahead of Cincinnati in the AFC North. But down Marlon Humphrey, in addition to all the other injuries the Ravens have had this year. So, guys, how are we feeling about this game? I know we talked before the last game against the Browns. We said, you know, that this is probably going to be a split. And the Ravens obviously already won one, but the loss to Pittsburgh would be really great to get back on track with a W. Uh, what do the Ravens have to do here to first find a way around the Marlon Humphrey injury and then and then next uh, get a win after, after a really difficult game just last week? Oh, gosh. Well, I could tell you uh, Geno Stone might get a lot more snaps. You know, at this point, like, I mean, I know Brandon Stevens already had a bunch of snaps, safety, a little bit of nickel, uh, seems like he's probably a natural spot to continue kind of rotating in there so i mean gino's definitely going to get a a large number of snaps as well uh do we have anybody else behind no or darius washington he's on ir he's he's not coming back westry might come back westry might maybe some snaps for levine <laughs> no i doubt it <laughs> no i don't think so i don't think we're that that low dude yeah but it's not great <laughs> in short anthony averett double a Needs to be our shutdown corner now. Your beautiful, like, maybe we should trade him for a pick. Anthony Averett is now the starting corner, guys. This is why you don't trade away your depth sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. there's. I think there's definitely going to be a, a player who's not on the team as of Monday uh, might be here by uh, by Sunday. I mean, the you know, the only silver lining, I think, for the Ravens is that you know, I mean, we talked about it last time. It looked like the Browns, their offensive game plan definitely relies on having their three tight end sets. Um, you know, the Ravens do have a, a few more uh, safeties. I'm not saying they have a ton of safeties, but they have a few more safeties right now than they do cornerbacks. It's not as bad of a matchup as it would be against the Steelers because we know that they like to run three or four wide receivers on the field at any given time. And that's where it was really hurting us uh, at the end of the Steelers game. So I don't want to say it's a good thing because i would much rather have marlon on the field obviously but uh if there was a game to kind of test the what are the ravens defense going to look like without marlon humphrey it wouldn't be the end of the world against this at least on you know matchups i agree with you chris i was thinking the same thing this is like the game if i had to have a a warm-up quote-unquote i don't want to i'm not trying to disparage the browns here but just like looking at a personnel matchup it does feel like the game that you can try and <laughs> figure out your corner situation uh the best i mean the ravens already signed a guy that was uh, news to me robert jackson was out there making some tackles on special teams he played a bunch of snaps last game and i was like who <laughs> jackson <laughs> he's normally not tackling people but uh yeah he's he's now on the team and i think you're right like they're gonna end up signing another guy for sure oh good grief yeah good point about stevens i didn't really even think about that but i think you might be on to something that he might become a corner like an emergency corner now for the ravens and um they might use geno stone more in the safety role because if tavon young is still hurt and not or sick or whatever the heck it is and not able to get full snaps in like he was in the pittsburgh game you need a slot corner 
Uh, Marlon Humphrey is the guy they normally moved in, and they would have Averett and Jimmy on the outside. That's what they were doing, actually, a lot of the game, if you guys didn't notice last week, is that Marlon was playing the slot again. So, yeah, great. Like, just how we drew it up, guys. I tell you what, however the Ravens finish this season, it's just incredible that they've been able to be as competitive as they have with all these injuries. I mean, the, the level of injuries this team has had is, is on par with, with, say, like a 2007 or, or a 2015. Both of those seasons, the Ravens absolutely, you know, bottom dwellers, you know, top 10 picks the next year. It's incredible. And, and you know, part of it is Lamar Jackson. But like we said, <laughs> he's been off the past couple of weeks. The defense had to step up and they've done that. So I think there was a reaction last after Marlon went down after the last game. Uh, for some members of fan base to just say like this team's too beat up to do anything in the postseason make a long run and I can understand that uh, that take there is a possibility that 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 might just be that the Marlon injury might just be the straw that breaks the camel's back but that being said I think this team has found so many creative ways to overcome injury this year and like we've been talking about the AFC is weak. Honestly, you know what? I was thinking about it. The, the team to be the favorite in the AFC right now, it could be the Colts. Like, I look at what the Colts have been doing since they played the Ravens. They've been really darn good. And that just, and I just looked at the rest of the AFC. I'm just like, they look just as good as any of these other teams at seven and six. The AFC is completely up for grabs. So I, I, I think that you look at that and most years you would say, yeah, this is too many injuries to overcome, and Marlon could be the the nail in the coffin, but all these teams are beat up in, in, in the AFC and or have a glaring weakness. I think, you know, I, I think the Ravens certainly have an opportunity here against a team that is, quite frankly, the weakest passing offense they have left on the schedule uh, to try some things out and, and see what patch, what additional patchwork uh, on top of a, pa- a patchwork might work for the rest of the year. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, guys, and we literally have uh, $10 million for Stanley, $10 million for Peters, $3 million for Wolf, 2 and a half for Edwards, 2 and a half for Deshaun Elliott, one point three for Dobbins. Scrolls back up. <laughs> Eight point five million for Humphrey, and if you say Nick Boyle might be, you know, having some issues now too, five point eight million dollars on IR. <laughs> it's like a lot of cap, guys. It's just pretty disheartening, you know. Uh, earlier in the season, we were saying with some of the injuries, like this is what's going to look like when they pay Lamar, and they're pretty doing pretty well. All right, well, this is what they do when they pay Lamar and Hollywood, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> like Lamar, Hollywood, and. Uh, Bateman? I don't know. Like, <laughs> we're feeling some cap casualties here. Uh, yikes. Big yikes, guys. It's really remarkable that the depth is respectable at this point, but they're thin. They just don't have subs. Like, they aren't at the level of, I don't know how to best put this. Like, they're not like throwing this how level that we're saying because the AFC is such a mess, but they're definitely just running really close to the wire here i mean the only thing the ravens can hope for at this point i think from a defensive backs perspective is one of these guys off the street turns out to be kind of decent and a good scheme fit for us you know they're not any exceptional player but they're just a good scheme player kind of a josh bind situation for instance 
but I know in the second year that's going to be really hard to come by. You could look at it that way, and and maybe that could be what happens. But honestly, I think this team, if they're going to go anywhere, this offense needs to become a quick strike offense out of the gate. I think their best shot going forward with the secondary that's that's only got Chuck Clark left is from the starters that you were expecting at the beginning of the year is we need to see this offense put up points in the first quarter, get teams behind, uh, get them feeling like they need to go into hurry up, and that's just going to make things easier on the defense. You know, they'll like we said, in that case, the offense is going to try and press. It's going to give more opportunities for sacks and turnovers uh, than if the offense is able to, to stick around in these games because the Ravens are having a hard time uh, getting points on the board early, and, and then the offense gains confidence, and they can do – kind of go around the play calling they want to do in this case it's, uh, the best defense might be a good offense <laughs> and you know if the Ravens can control time of possession and put up points that's gonna make things a lot easier on that end of the field for the defense yeah I really like that um you know in context with the the Browns game I mean there's a really good opportunity here I mean we'd we'd already talked about it a few weeks ago Browns obviously, you know, have one of the best rushing attacks in the league. And, um, you know, they like to rely on that a lot. And the Ravens did a pretty good job of holding Nick Chubb, uh, keeping him contained for most of the game. I think it was under 50 yards, I believe. You know, they did a similar thing with Najee Harris against the Steelers. I mean, he only had 3.4 yards to carry, 71 yards total. It's all right. It's it's not great, but, you know, it's, it's under 100 yards. You know, he didn't even have a touchdown. So, you know, I think the you know, Wink would would say that's a, a pretty good rushing defense overall, and you know it's it's been it's been getting better. I think week to week, it's it's been doing a pretty well. So, you know, at least from a defensive perspective, if they can continue what they did two weeks ago uh, and, and bottle up Chubb and Hunt, I think that'll go a long way to to helping that game plan. But you're right, Peter. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's on the offense to be able to. You know, convert those opportunities into points early, and then force the the game plan to go into their favor. They could suddenly unlock Justin Houston and Tyus Bowser and Odafi Owe, um, and and just let those guys sort of run loose, and you know, not have to to worry about you know stopping you know uh, stopping every single play, stopping a, you know every single you know scoring opportunity, right? Because now they have some uh, luxury to be able to take those risks, as you said. So if we're looking to play the role as uh offense or defensive coordinator which side of the ball we want to talk about first as far as the adjustments we'd make obviously cleveland rest didn't have that rough game against pittsburgh like we did and almost more importantly uh they're back at home uh so extra time to prepare for us at home yikes like what's the adjustment we're gonna make uh and i guess which side of the ball do you want to start with well i think the wild card in this game is again going to just be what's the health of Baker Mayfield? Stefanski came out after the game where Browns lost to Baltimore and said that they're running with Baker. They think that he's the best chance for them to advance to the postseason. He did not look healthy uh, in that last game. Uh, so, you know, if if he's not good, then then the Ravens can probably have the same performance that they did against Pittsburgh and come out of that there with a win. Um, but I think at the same time, 
with two weeks to prepare, you you would think that they would be able to come up with a game plan that could hide some of the things that he can't do at the moment and also look at, at what was going on with the running game and, and where they might improve on that. So I, I think I kind of already answered the question with the offense. I you know I, I think that it would be great to see this offense get back to the 2019 level where putting up a quick strike in the first half and having teams play catch up. Cause if, if you get ahead on this Browns team, I don't think that they can, they can come back. I don't think they have the firepower right now to do that. Well, let's, let's, let's go a little bit more into that. So, uh, defense then, right. Going back to your point, Alec, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think, you know, uh, Peter's point about the health of Baker is definitely valid. One of the things that, you know, Wink, I think, can do <laughs> out of necessity <laughs> at this point is, well, the Browns only have tape with Marlon. Well, he's not going to be playing. So, um, you know, if he's able to whip up a few new schemes to put some players in a position that the Browns haven't seen before, I mean, we have some guys. We, we don't have a whole lot of guys at the moment, but we do have some guys who have shown, at least in uh, you know specific roles that they can do the job. We talked earlier in this episode that Geno Stone, uh, guys like him, Brandon Stevens are going to see a lot more playing time, and you know some cornerback that may or may not be on the Ravens roster at this point is going to see a lot more time. Um, you know, coming out, you know, do we have a few nickel packages, dime packages, any sort of packages out there that we can throw out some players that the Browns haven't seen before, mix up some coverages. Things like that. I mean, there, there's an opportunity, I guess, for some creative play calling that maybe the Browns haven't seen before. So I, I do think that is one thing. The other thing too is just you know I, I think I, I think Wink definitely needs to continue to lean on the front seven for better or worse. At least at this point, right now, they're the healthiest of the defense. So continue to do well stopping the run do what you can to try and clog those lanes if you have to stack eight in the box on some of those plays see what you can do but we're gonna have to lean into those guys and really just you know take advantage of you know guys like Calais Campbell Justin Houston Patrick Queen just you know let those guys continue to play well and, and give them opportunities to to shut down the run and try and force the game plan to like Peter said more of a pass heavy that way, you know, it takes the pressure off on some of the offense and let them kind of do what they do best kind of thing. Are you calling for the return of the proxy dime roll from Chris Board? I mean, at this point, like, you know, what are the other packages that we have that are, you know, uh, better options? You know, he, he might have to be at this point. Ugh. Put Queen back there. I don't know. He's got the that's, speed. It's <laughs> so gross, dude. <laughs> no, I um, hear you, man. I hear you. I think uh, from a defensive perspective, I don't want to be uh, – I don't want to say, like, they're not going to try to do this, but I feel like, like you guys are saying, how can we, like, unleash away Houston? Is there anything we can do to get them more active? You know, like, I feel like, uh, you know, Bowser, too, like, they were having these good games. They got a little quieted against uh, the Steelers and the quick passing attack. The question here is, like, can they – get back in the backfield and get Baker kind of regain some confidence there and ease up on the secondary. So they don't have to, you know, cover for too, too long. They're able to you know keep the wide receivers in front of them. If the pass rush can step up and if there's anything they can do is scheme up some free runners or, you know, good plays there. That's a, another Avenue, but I think it's going to take some creativity from wink. 
almost like reverse creativity it feels like in a way like i feel like the scheme might not be as complex now because you're just losing talent and uh cerebral players uh, left and right but maybe they'll be able to uh get clever and to figure out the best ways to use what's left yeah and i think you bring up a good point there because all the injuries to the secondary it is easy to forget like hey the front seven is actually pretty healthy right now Brandon Williams has come back from his injury and and he's playing the best we've seen him this year by far he had a great game against the Browns uh two weeks ago had 11 tackles against the Steelers yesterday Calais Campbell obviously still playing extremely well we've talked about Bynes and Queen and Bowser and how they've all stepped up yeah, I think the focus has to be there and just figure out how can that group compensate for the the lack of, of depth that you've got there. They're doing a lot of things that are working, and yeah, that that's what's going to have to be the focus going forward. If we're looking at the offensive side of the ball, I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about last episode of just, I feel like we've got to simplify this offense, man, for Mr. Lamar Jackson. I hate to say that, but it, I think he's just trying to think too much, not getting through the reads properly, holding on to the ball too long, boom, that's a sack. That's a huge disruptor to the, you know, it's like worse than a penalty almost, right? Big problem here that needs to be fixed. And there's a chance they could pull it off here, obviously. I think the tools are there, as we've discussed. But yeah, just maybe some tempo, a little bit more confidence, quick reads. What do you guys think? Is there anything else like abundantly clear? Yeah, I mean, another option too. I mean, continue to to put more on Devonta Freeman. Uh, maybe not Latavius Murray. I know he only averaged half a yard a carry uh, with two carries last week. He's I'm kind of with you, Alec. Maybe he's not. <laughs> I feel like at the beginning of the season he was a little bit better, but now it seems like after the injury is sort of just like not getting a whole lot of yards unless it's on a, a catch. He was able to run after the catch on a few few of those and, and pick up some things but but in between the tackles just not as effective as freeman's been so continue to rely on him and, and kind of take more of the pressure off lamar at least on the run game side of things would love to see more of that it's not a trend yet um it's, maybe it was more of an anomaly with the Steelers game you know uh rashad bateman still uh <laughs> he's got to get a touchdown eventually right um you know he's he's a weapon i don't think we've fully seen yet um, so we'll be able to try to find ways to get him more involved, whatever sort of plays to kind of design up to be able to to take advantage of that. I mean, defenses know, the Browns are going to know that Mark Andrews is a weapon, Hollywood Brown's a weapon, but, you know, Bateman's that X factor that we could use to just add another dimension to it. Duvernay as well. I know, Alec, you've talked about him a, a couple of times as well. We got to find ways to kind of scheme these guys open a little bit more maybe that kind of goes to what you were saying alec just make things a little bit more simpler of like hey you know this is going to be the first read we know that we're going to go here romans he's got some plays in the vault uh to be able to figure that stuff out and you know maybe we just need to pepper a few of those uh more of those plays in there to kind of uh build the confidence yeah bateman's really just disappeared this the past couple of weeks as quickly as he came onto the scene it's been really interesting how that occurred and yeah, really the past two games, uh, Lamar has really f- uh, fallen back to really focusing on, you know, trying to get the ball to Andrews as much as he can, which Mark Andrews is an, is an excellent weapon. He's really making his way as to being one of the best receiving tight ends in the league and really coming close to knocking on the door of being the best. But 
like we've, we've talked about, this team has so many receiving options. I think, like you said, the scheming up plays to get all these guys involved, spread out the defense so they don't have to just focus on on Andrews can really help this passing attack and, and get some more one-on-one matchups for Andrews so that, you know, Lamar has a better completion percentage when he's going to him. I heard a stat earlier today that said, you know, over the past two games, Lamar has something like a 65 quarterback rating over the past two weeks when targeting Andrews, which kind of checks out if you think about it, because they've made some big plays. But then obviously we talked about the interceptions when Lamar was targeting Andrews against Cleveland and then a couple drops against Pittsburgh. Uh, So yeah, just, just getting back to this receiving offense, uh, getting everyone involved, like, what was it? I believe the game against Denver in particular was a game that yeah, it was like a three game stretch there, Denver, uh, the chargers. And there was another game in there as well, where the Ravens were spreading the ball around to a, a litany of pass catchers and they've kind of gotten away from that recently. So yeah, I think just getting back to spreading the ball among all the playmakers. Yes. The Ravens have definitely regressed in this regard. Uh, the laser vision towards Mark Andrews is, uh, I feel like just not a, a good good look for Lamar Jackson. I think it was much better when he was peppering the ball all over the field. You saw multiple guys getting involved. I think it just opened up opportunities, made people have to respect him more. Uh, my question is, if I'm like Greg Roman, I'm opening up my metaphorical vault here. How much are we land out of the vault? What's the what's the vault percentage? You know, like <laughs> how much are you leaving in there for? potential games that might not exist like what's what's the vault meter at (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i i let out like 50 percent of the vault at least i don't know what that looks like that might be a whole new offense at that point but (laughs) i i feel like i'm using some vault i really am because this is unacceptable particularly uh you know because i can't my, my hypothesis about the vault is that like it's not all like thoroughly practiced i think it's all like it would have to be a a a decision at practice point, right? They're not going to just be like, Oh, let's like break out the vault in the middle of the game. Like <laughs> they need to prepare for these, these plays and these ideas. So I think this is the conversation that they're having right now. And I'm, I'm feeling like a good amount of the vault needs to be used here because, uh, the vault can become your bread and butter, you know, using your guys to the best of their ability and not just like trichannery, right? The vault I hope is not just trichannery. I hope it's actual scheme. And <laughs> it could be a mix, obviously, but I don't know. <laughs> we'll see, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you do bring up a good point. What's the ratio of, of plays you want to save uh, for defenses to, to not say at all going down the stretch? And then what's how much do you want to introduce and make sure you're not holding too much back so that, you know, it's it's not too much of what defenses have already seen. And hopefully that they, they've thought of the correct ratio for that. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting question because if you if you show too much now, too much of your hand, well then there might not be enough time to to scheme up some more things, you know, for later games. But then also to your point, if you hold back too much, there might not be later games. So it's an interesting balance, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if we see more new concepts this week than we would usually see just again like we're talking about this is a game that the Browns have had two weeks to prepare for after just playing this game so it could be an opportunity for the Ravens to 
employ more new schemes than they would usually if there's enough practice time to to get those game ready. Whatever makes the offense execute better, man. I mean, (laughs) don't let things out of the vault that the offense isn't ready for because then they're not going to execute, and that just perpetuates this cycle of mediocrity. Pre-snap penalties. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, I yeah, I I get playing in Pittsburgh and the environment, it's tough, and I've been there. It's a tough place to to play, uh, let alone be an opposing team fan. But like, yeah, I, I was about to ask how you, how your your playing experience was there. <laughs> yeah, from uh, how you framed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Playing experience. Yeah, well, we'll see. I haven't lost a game there. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, execution at the end of the day, just. You know, it's it, it's been tough with all the injuries and everything in the offense throughout the years. Like going into the season, we thought it was going to be a rushing team, but then also lean on the pass. But then we didn't have any running backs. So then we leaned on the pass, but now we're leaning too much on the pass. We're not completing enough passes. So now we need to become a run game again. Who knows? Whatever the formula is, you know, um, it doesn't really matter as long as the offense is effective. And right now it's not effective. So, um, you know, I'll say if if we're going to continue to ride Freeman, I'm okay with that. Like if we think that he can contribute against the Browns and continue to build off of what he's been building on the past couple of weeks, whatever, that's fine. Great. As long as it works, I'm happy with it. If it's pepper a bunch of passes to Hollywood and Bateman all the time, whatever. Sure. As long as they catch the ball, as long as the passes are completed and Lamar's not sacked or, or hurt, fine. Whatever it is. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know what Greg Roman's obviously you know seeing in practice we don't have privy to practice and you know how are things going but whatever's happening there has to be translating on the, the fields on sunday right now it's not it's just it needs to get better and it starts with everybody i'm sure they know that all right guys so we're the ravens looking at our running backs you activate tyson or mccrary in this game i think they have one more call up from mccrary i i honestly don't care <laughs> i mean I, I don't mean that to, to like I mean, if if Tyson's season comes back, that's great. At, at this point, I've just lost faith that the coaching staff has any plan for this guy. Um, it's interesting that he's fallen into the doghouse that much, but Freeman has given us more than we thought he would. A solid running back 1A for this team. I think that at this point, when you're handing the ball off to the running back, 66 to 70 percent of those carries need to be Freeman just to remain with the continuity that you've got on offense and you're finding that that's the the guy who's going to have the highest success rate from this group and I think experimentation uh, time for those backs is done I think it's it's Freeman and then Pepper and Murray a little bit where it makes sense um, as he gets healthier so that's that's my opinion if it's McCrary or Williams that I, I don't think it really has that much of an impact on the bottom line. Yeah, unless one of those guys could start, I don't. I don't really think it matters. I was gonna, I was gonna ask, is uh, Buck Allen available? <laughs> he might like, be. I mean, he he played special teams. Um, like I don't know. Yeah, I. I mean, I, I don't know if it matters too much. I mean, you know, uh, McCrary's fine. Like we could give him another shot. Um, you know, like you were saying last week, Alec, I mean, he had a, he had a good pass rep, pass blocking rep in there. Um, you know, he only had one carry, which is for, you know, minus one yard. So there wasn't a whole lot to show there, I think. Um, if I remember correctly, too, the Steelers kind of blew up that play anyway. So it was not like 
I don't think McCrary couldn't have got any, any more yards anyway. I mean, we could see what he's got, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like with Tyson at this point, it's just it's it's not going to happen this year. It might not happen ever. I mean, he might be released in the off season. Who knows? Yeah. So my hunch is that uh, they have one McCrary call up, and I think they're going to they're going to want to use it. So I'm thinking it's going to be next week as well. I do think so. And I think they're going to try to use him a little bit more because uh, at that point, he's going to be uh, a scarce resource. So he might get claimed. I don't think they can protect him any further. So we'll see. Tyson did not get 10 yards, didn't get 20 yards, didn't even see the field. Thanks. So we talked a little bit about the running backs here. I know we've talked about receivers um, on and off in this episode. What about the tight ends? I guess the, the main question I have... Um, you know, Nick Boyle was inactive for the Steelers game. Uh, presumably, if he's healthy, he's another option here. I know he really only played, uh, I guess, two games at this point uh, for us. Do we think he could add anything to the Ravens' offense that we haven't seen before? Um, and also, for Josh Oliver, same question. I don't think so much not seen before, but I think, obviously, if Boyle is healthy and, you know, he had some pretty good run blocks in his limited action so far this year, I think he helps, uh, obviously, uh, hurting offensive line, down McCarry, down so many others to, you know, kind of hold up there. Uh, one thing that's interesting, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, is that the heavy packages are, like, gone. It seems like the Ravens have decided that they always want to use a guy like Ricard and not bring in a six lineman. We haven't seen any six lineman plays in weeks. And I think that's kind of interesting. And you then, like you said, have Oliver, who had eight snaps last game. He hasn't really been targeted or seeing much action. Uh, he's been kind of an inconsistent piece for the Ravens. Unfortunately, he was not the uh, all-caps-inducing signing or trade that uh, we had in the offseason. The excitement has not been really met by production. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, obviously, Boyle's a huge wild card here. I think he adds a lot to the team. But we'll see. I, I'm not confident right now that he's going to have much more playing time, to be honest with you. It seems like his knee's still bothering him, and if it needs another surgery, then, you know, that's that season, right? Yeah, I'm – yeah, my hopes aren't too high for what Boyle can offer this year. Um, it sounds like his injury is a lot worse than, than what we originally thought. He might need just an additional offseason to get back to – to something you start, you got to wonder how much of his previous form he can get back to after that but I think even if he can play you know again just you know like a guy like Freeman he's obviously got a high football IQ and can at least help in that department just see what he can do physically um, I think that would really help out the offensive line and run blocking uh, to an extent um, I wouldn't get my hopes up for it being you know the the, the a, a game changer but certainly would help more than anything I do think Josh Oliver is, is we were hoping to see more from this guy. Uh, I don't think our high, our expectations were too, too much more than what we've seen from him as a receiving threat. I mean, we talked about it. We were like, we're expecting this guy to catch somewhere between 15 to 18 passes uh, and be an occasional red zone threat. Uh, and he's been underwhelming, but they want to give him another shot. He could add another wrinkle in the receiving game and it, would be something that I would think the Browns wouldn't be expecting at all. So, but at the same time, I, I just, the read I've gotten on him is that he hasn't lived up to the expectations the coaching staff has had. 
uh, going into the season. So I, w- I would be kind of surprised if they gave him more than, you know, maybe a play or two to see what he, uh, if they can just surprise the defense a bit. Wouldn't see more than that for him. I'd rather the Ravens try to surprise the defense with James Prochet, but <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> oh, I, I, I agree with that 100%. But <laughs> Prochet, yeah, we, he had a, a good start to the season, and it's just disappeared since Bateman came. And then Bateman disappeared. What the heck? <laughs> and I know. It's just like <laughs> they both right. cancel each other out somehow. <laughs> Yikes. How do we feel about Prochet? Do we think he could play cornerback? <laughs> God. I'm going to look first... up on Wikipedia. Did he play cornerback in high school? Let's see. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be the first number 11 to play corner, right? Oh, my God. This, is, dis- this is disgusting, guys. <laughs> I mean, We're looking at our wide receiver I, core now and trying to find corners. I mean, I'm not like... <laughs> Obviously, I'm I'm joking. I'm not being serious here, but I know, I know. Um, you know, uh, with the shortage that we have, if we want to find a way to get him on the field. I mean, hey, he's got good hands, right? Oh, he might be the solution the to our hands. turnover problems. Yeah, he could just uh, run where he thinks the ball's going and try to catch it himself. Yeah, just go play right. receiver crochet. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. So I think this is an interesting question that we can that we can close on, given where the Ravens are in the standings and where everyone else is. Um, and also given you look ahead at the schedule after this, you got Cincinnati, Green Bay, the Rams, who are a question mark right now, and then the Steelers again, could make the argument this is the easiest game left on the schedule. Is it a must-win for the Ravens? Are we in must-win territory at this point in the season? I mean, no, right? Mathematically, we're not in must-win territory. I would say our loss tokens are getting short. And you don't want to waste them against these kind of players, like you said, because of the the, se- the season coming ahead. But, I mean, I don't know, man. Again, if this team is even remotely going to have a chance of contending, they're going to need some serendipity. Uh, they're going to need some serendipity to win these games coming down the stretch against teams that are probably are better than them, healthier than them, etc. So, I guess what I'm getting at with this is, it's not must win uh, any more than any other game at this point i think but obviously it helps a lot (laughs) no denying that yeah i mean again just because of scheduling it may not end up mattering uh the steelers play thursday night on the road uh at minnesota how thursday night football games have gone generally speaking i mean the the road teams definitely have it worse so the steelers might end up dropping that one uh we'll see what which Vikings we get that week. And then uh, the Bengals play the 49ers um, at a 425 uh, next week, which, you know, the Bengals can win, but that's, I think, going to be a pretty tough matchup. The 49ers have really put it on uh, the last couple of weeks. So, I mean, you know, if those two guys lose and the Ravens drop one, there's still a game ahead of the Bengals. Uh, still two games ahead of the Steelers. So, in terms of, like, division ranking, it may not matter, but... You know, it would certainly feel a lot better for the Ravens to do take care of business and win that division game because, I mean, at that point, um, if they lose it, then we have to wait and see the outcome of the uh, Bengals game to see if, if they're still uh, at the top of the division or not. But, yeah, it's it's getting tough, too. I mean, you look at the two – or, uh, sorry, if you look at the three wildcard teams in the AFC, I mean, they're all 7-6 and six now, I think. So, you know, the, there's there's not that much room for error unfortunately yeah i think the number that you look at if the ravens do lose this game that would kind of make the fan base nervous is you're looking at one and three 
into division at that point, which obviously there's still time to turn around, but it it definitely doesn't make you feel good if this team's trying to finish first in the AFC North. Numbers are on their side, though, interestingly. I just did some looking back, and the Ravens have, under the Harbaugh era, have always been taking care of business within the division. They've always had a record under Harbaugh of at least 500. Harbaugh's never had a record of less than 500 in a division, even in, in 2013 and 2015. You have to go back all the way to the last year under Billick, 2007, for the Ravens to have a losing record in the division. So we'll see what happens. But I think it's going to get really tough for the Ravens if, if they do drop this one, just because, like we've been saying, they've had some wins recently, obviously, but it's been since the Chargers game that you've really felt like they've had a, a big, uh, momentous win so from that regard, as more and more weeks come in between the present and, and that game, I, I feel like this team is in desperate need of a, of a big win, a complete game win uh, to really help the confidence going into this last stretch of games. But we'll see what happens. I guess we can go into the bowl predictions and score predictions and see what, how we're feeling about this one. Well, guys, how the tables have turned. Just looked up the line. The Browns are a two and a half point favorite at home. So uh, definitely the team has lost some points in the eyes of Vegas. Obviously, uh, the injuries aren't helping. Uh, the performances of late aren't helping. And I think that will all tie into our, our score prediction. Over under, even lower than <laughs> the Steelers game, guys. 42.5 points. So, uh, God. I don't want to go first because I lack the confidence to say the Ravens are going to win this game. <laughs> I, uh, I'm trying to tell myself the story where they can win the game. The Ravens win 17-14, to game-winning Justin Tucker field goal. And my bold prediction is Lamar Jackson will not throw an interception. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is a bold prediction. Great. Um. <laughs> That, I feel like the, that captures all the moods <laughs> of, of where we're at. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, looking at the uh, the weather forecast, 42 degrees right now is what's uh, predicted. 15 mile per hour wind gusts. It's not too, too bad of a weather game, uh, which could happen in Cleveland at this time of year. You know what? I think that this team has too much talent on offense, uh, and Lamar Jackson is, is too big a playmaker for things to not get figured out eventually. I am going to go bold here, and I'm going to say that the Ravens are going to figure things out. They're going to score at least 10 points in the first quarter, which I'm pretty sure will be the most that they've scored in a first quarter this year, except for maybe the Chargers game. And score prediction? Like I said, I'm going bold. 44-10, to 10, Ravens. Woo! I, th- I think they've got to figure it out at some point from the offensive side of it. And if they can get a big, I don't. I think the Browns press and they'll be able to force turnovers even with a beat-up secondary. Nice. Yeah, I'm thinking about this one. I've got, I've got two ideas. Um, part of me, I think, is feeling more of a defense uh, bold prediction this week. I, I want to see the bounce back game from Lamar. It's it's due. I almost feel like uh, Doctor Strange at this point. I'm trying to think if it's like, is this the one timeline where everything turns <laughs> around, or is it the following week against the Packers? Because that would also be really great. 
So I'll, I'll go defense this week. Um, kind of on the same line with you, Peter. I, I'm hoping that Wink goes into his proverbial vault and figures out something uh, to be able to get uh, at least a sack and a turnover. So actually, I'll say at least you know at least uh, two sacks, two turnovers. I think is what I'll, I'll go for my bold prediction. Um, you know, I think the Browns are, are going to want to be trying to take advantage of of Marlon's injury, and I think Wink is going to be able to scheme something up to basically cover that and and have it backfire against the Browns. In terms of score, I don't know if I'm feeling super confident for the 44-10. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that seems really really bold, but uh, gosh, they've done it more often this season than not. So I'm going to say the Ravens find a way to win this one, and I'm going to say. I'm going to say they break 20 points. I'm going to say 24-18 Ravens. Well, that wraps up this edition of Ravens Recap. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Obviously, a very difficult game going into Cleveland, but hopefully the Ravens can pull it out. We're all picking them to do so. So uh, we're not losing the faith right now. Feel like Ted Lasso. Hit that believe sign, and let's keep on rolling. You can find us on Twitter, Ravens underscore recap, and email us feedback at ravensrecap.com. Go Ravens. If you're going to Cleveland, make some noise for the boys. We know they need it.